son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Welcome to Forward Progress here on the Hammer Betting Network, presented by Betfred Sportsbook. If you haven't checked out Betfred yet, be sure to do so, especially in the state of Ohio, which is recently regulated as of January 1st. We have a jam-packed show over the course of the next hour or so. Adam Chernoff is going to join me momentarily as we go through divisional round. Eric Eager coming up 1225 Eastern time. And then if Joey Kanish can get some time off from his day job around 1245, he's going to join me in studio here as well as we break down Wild Card Weekend. Really quick programming note. I do want to let everyone know, everyone that was asking about the live watch-alongs that happened last weekend for the Wild Card Round. Those will continue here for the Divisional Round and they will continue with Giants and Eagles on Saturday night. 8 p.m. Eastern Time. That'll be over on the Hammer HQ YouTube channel. So if you're not subscribed to Hammer HQ, please do so. You'll get alerted when we go live in real time. I will be joined by an assortment of guests, including our first guest here today on Forward Progress. He is the host of The Simple Handicap. You can check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Highly recommend that you check out The Simple Handicap with Adam Chernoff. Additionally... He is part of a great, great team at Right Angle Sports. You can check out their website, handicapper.net as well. Adam Chernoff hops up and in here on Forward Progress. How's it going, Adam? Great. I've um, discovered a life-changing coffee situation where you can actually get the double-double in the house with the machines now. Oh, okay. And so, so I know how much you were enjoying the double-double last week on the show, but um, this is... This is this is a game changer, Russ. So I did something for you today, and I I have my uh, my Tim Hortons mug. <laughs> See, today. we're winning you back. We're I'm, I'm, I'm not you back. I'm not enjoying the Tim Hortons coffee, but I definitely have uh, the mug here, um, which I'm drinking out of. For all those who are on YouTube at the Forward Prog- on the Forward Progress channel. Um, we do see your comments in real time. If you do want to ask questions or anything along that, along those lines, I will get to them over the course of the show. If you're on Twitter and you want to ask a question, hop on over to the YouTube channel, Forward Progress, as I don't see the questions in real time on Twitter. Let's start with last week, Adam, really quickly. How did it go for you overall? I know we talked earlier on Wednesday last week, not a lot of action for you, but overall takeaways from the week and, and overall takeaways from your own personal betting. Uh, personal betting was a split down the middle, lost some juice, three and three. The Bucks kind of did me in a little bit, although the second half of that game treated me well, cause you kind of saw what was coming with the chase mode and the ketchup. Um, other than that major takeaways, not a lot. I would say, I think the, the biggest question that I have was how legitimate was that Giants win against the Vikings who might've just been as bad as we might've thought they were coming into the playoffs. And so I don't know if that's maybe carried over a little bit too much into the prices this week or not, but um, that was kind of maybe the one that stood out a little bit to me. 
so let's make that the starting point, Giants and Eagles, because I think that there is a, a pretty large dichotomy on you know how people are projecting this game. Um, there seems to be no one in between. And listen, this is just my inner circle and what I consume, but typically people have a strong opinion on this game. And we saw these teams play in week 14. That game was in New York. The Eagles closed as a seven-point favorite on the road in that game. And now we're seeing the market with Eagles minus seven and a half. In that game, the Eagles just absolutely dominated the Giants. They won 48 to 22. Seven of the Giants' 22 points came via a block, a block punt. A lot of the production for the Giants was in garbage time. The Eagles outgained them by 1.7 yards per play. But this time around, we have some uncertainty with Philadelphia because we haven't really seen the full unit play for a while now. Jalen Hurts nursing an injury. What are you hearing on Jalen Hurts? I know he's publicly said something along the lines of like, thank God we had the bye week. Do you put a lot of stock into that? Do you think he's going into this game a little bit more injured? Or do you think that that's just like gamesmanship at this point? I've watched his interviews and it's really hard to sort of discern what's going on here because you don't usually see in a game like this, a quarterback be as sort of misleading and unclear as he has been. Mm -hmm. And anytime that he's been asked to put a number on how healthy he is or describe how healthy he is, it's like a full on, deflection like he wants no part of it and so i i don't know if it's gamesmanship or not we have no real legitimate beat writers or reporters coming out with anything that's like concrete or really like actionable in terms of like it being way off from what we kind of think which is just kind of like somewhere in the middle here he's not 100 percent. he's probably better than 50 what does that do for the eagles game plan but like if my question here is if he is a hundred percent and this is all just gamesmanship, like this number is way short of where it should be. Is it not? I personally think so as well. It's just very hard for me to bet the Eagles because of that situation, but you likely getting Lane Johnson back at right tackle. At least he said that he's going to play this week. Um, you know, there's always a possibility of re-aggravating an injury in practice and whatever, but it looks like the, the full complement of this Eagles team, right? Like, and I agree with what you said. Your original point when we first started chatting here was, are we, uh, are we over um, rating the Giants based off of a win against a team last week that isn't very good? Like, this is a massive step up in class. There's a huge difference between the Eagles and Vikings. I think absolutely on both sides of the football. And I last week, kind of the docking point that was most interesting to me was like the Dayball Kafka rematch factor against a really bad defense and how they had a really good game plan in the first meeting on Christmas Eve. They kind of just replicated that in the second one. The first game, they couldn't get the ball in the end zone. Then the weekend, they were able to get the ball in the end zone on a number of drives in a row. And so I, you see them on the third time now, obviously being divisional opponents, but the one game was against backups and, albeit the Giants didn't play anyone either, so you can't take much there. But like in the first meeting, nothing worked, and I don't know what they can change going into this meeting necessarily. And that's the defensive side for the Eagles, which doesn't have these injury issues or concerns like we see on the offensive side, which kind of got whatever they wanted in that first matchup as well. And so I think, I think the Giants are certainly maybe being a little bit bumped up from last week. But then I, I would also say on the side here, like the Eagles down the stretch, the last real game that we've seen them play full 
healthful effort was probably that Giants game when you think about it because Hertz was injured against the Bears. Cowboys was a Minshew game. And then the Saints game and that Giants game were both kind of throwaways to begin with. So, like, this is the first time we've really seen the Eagles as good as they potentially could be since really that first Giants game, what was that, five weeks ago now? It was. So, I mean, so for me, there's a number of ways that you can attack this, right? So I think both of us lean Eagles on this game. But first and foremost, seven and a half obviously is seven and a half. What do we think the likelihood is that this market could move to seven in this game? Because to me, I don't know that there's a huge appetite to back a quarterback that basically is coming out and saying that maybe there's still some remnants of an injury there. Do we think the market could get to seven? The way that we've seen late money the last couple of weeks, week 17, week 18, and then even with like the Ravens Bengals situation, the last 30 minutes before kick um, come in on dogs where there's been some QB uncertainty. I think it's possible. Um, I would also say if we, I don't. I don't think we're going to get like a clear Hertz is one hundred percent good to go type of message from anybody. Whereas if that was the case, I could like I, I think this could go towards ten. But I don't think we're going to get that. And so I'm I'm with you in saying that we're kind of just stuck somewhere in this no man's land until late before kick. Yeah, I think with the Eagles, at least, if you want to bet them, you know, losing the value if the number goes out from seven and a half to eight to eight and a half, you you lose a small amount of value there. I'm not going to say like eight is insignificant, but if you are able to capture that seven, um, that's a pretty big deal. So I'm kind of holding my holding out here. I guess there's also the opportunity if you like the Eagles side to just tease them down and potentially throw them in with the Chiefs this weekend as well. Is that going to be the most bet teaser ever? Like that's to me. I I I would love to see some count late in the week on sports books to see how many of that specific two team teaser they've taken. Like that there, to me is just like the most clear and obvious teaser that we've seen in a long time. There will be, but we we bet we typically bet mathematical teasers. So for the audience that doesn't know, we like to capture the numbers seven and three on a teaser. So the idea of getting both the Eagles and the Chiefs down through seven and three, you're taking the most advantage of that teaser play. That's a minority of like, I'm not saying that we won't see a ton of Eagles and Chiefs teasers, but I just think we're going to see a ton of teasers in general this week. And some people might throw the Cowboys in there, even though it's not a, a true mathematical teaser, you might just get all sorts of these permutations of teasers this weekend. I and that I was gonna say when you see that total for the Chiefs that high, is that gonna be deterrent for some of the people playing those traditional teasers too? That's a very good point. Higher total, higher variance. Yep. Um, so definitely uh, I mean that that would be it's it's still very appealing. Let's let's put it that way. It's still <laughs> very, very appealing, appealing of, of Chiefs <laughs> yep. win and Eagles win. So uh we'll move on to that other Saturday game, the Chiefs and the Jags. Um, I bet the Jags the first time these teams played, which was about halfway through the year. I ended up getting a push. By the way, this is why I preach getting good numbers because I got a 10 in that game, ended up closing 9.5, and and the Chiefs win by exactly 10. I remember that game like it was yesterday because the Jags started the game with a surprise onside kick, which they recovered, didn't turn into anything. They had a plus-3 turnover margin in that game as well, and they really could not do anything. Now... This is a very different Jags team now. 
at least over the set latter half of the year, they've been steadily improving, especially Trevor Lawrence. Um, we're seeing a very different number than when we saw them play earlier in the year, right? Nine and a half closer, KC at home. Now we're sitting at eight and a half across the market with Kansas City having a bigger home field advantage coming off of a bye week as well. Uh, curious your breakdown of that game. Do you think that that previous spread holds any water when breaking down this game this weekend? I always think with so we're getting way more rematches in these playoffs than I remember in seasons past. So there's always an angle like this to talk about this season, it seems, which is different. I think it does hold some sort of reference point. But like you mentioned, that was a really weird game and a really weird box score when you dive into it. You mentioned the kick and the turnovers. You look at some of the yardage and everything, and it was like one-sided KC despite all of that. And so I think um, there's a lot to sort of – unpacked there when I look at this game specifically I kind of go back to my take on the Jags to finish the season for the most part and it's been any time that the defense has had to step up in class and face a good offense it's been ugly for the defense and they really benefited those final three weeks of the season they got Josh Dobbs they got Zach Wilson with mm -hmm. Chris Treveller um, they had Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll like that was who they ended up beating on that run to get themselves into the playoffs. And I think kind of brought them up rating wise a little bit, despite not really playing anybody. And then even last week, like I know turnovers assisted it for the chargers, but you can't ignore, like they play the chargers above average offense, 31 points go on the board. They played the Cowboys that last real, like meaningful game before that stretch of bad QBs. It was 35 points. They played the Lions. It was 40 points. In this Chiefs game, it was 480 yards and four touchdowns. So I don't make a whole lot of this Jags defense. I think it's a tough spot all around, obviously, with the situation off the bye and going into Arrowhead. But I, I just I don't know how you can't look at the Chiefs here at eight and a half. Um, to me, this is a game where off of that comeback, and all that took to get the win, that was kind of like it. I know there's Reed Peterson familiarity, but for me, that eight and a half is, is short on Casey. So we haven't seen a, a wide market of player props yet. Typically, that's going to happen over the latter half of the week. But I look at this game, and I immediately see the Jags are 32nd and past defense DVOA against tight ends. And to me, that's a problem. Casey's got a pretty good one. They got a pretty good one. On top of that, the Jags let seven halfback screens go for 10 or more yards this season. That's tied for more, fourth most in the NFL. They haven't been particularly good defending running backs out of the backfield. We've seen the way that Jarek McKinnon has been worked into this offense. <laughs> Another pretty good one, yeah. It's almost like they're, they're deficient at the spots where the, the Chiefs are like do what they do best right now. And that makes for a bad matchup, but also obviously dependent on the prices here that we see, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, if Kelsey has a massive game here or Jared McKinnon, uh, Jared McKinnon again, um, touchdown score, stuff like that. Those are things that immediately, before I even see numbers in my head, obviously I'm going to look at it, but this to me is a props game where I think both of those guys are very live for potentially even some alternate overs. Very live. Yep. No question. All right. Uh, let's move on to Sunday. Um, I kind of, listen, the Bengals can obviously still go on the road and win at Buffalo. They're only a four and a half, five point dog in market right now. 
but doesn't it feel like there's been like a bit of a damper put on the game with the injuries on the offensive line with the Bengals, like relative to what we saw a couple weeks ago, Monday night football, where the first quarter of that game was fantastic. In my opinion, just football watching before, obviously the unfortunate DeMar Hamlin situation. Uh, but it feels like right now the Bengals have sort of been written off of this game. Um, and I'm curious, like this is not new information, right? The market knows that the Bengals are without likely three starting offensive linemen. Yep. It's baked into the number, yet all the arguments for the Bills are like, well, the Bengals are are without all these offensive linemen, which that's fair. Somebody might say that the market hasn't moved enough. Um, I think it's worth more. And that's to- you're totally entitled to that opinion. But I haven't seen the opposite side of things where anyone says, hey, maybe... Maybe they got Joe Burrow and they'll figure out a, some sort of game plan to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And maybe the markets move too much. I'm, I'm just curious how you value these injuries on the offensive line for the Bengals. Well, so that game on Monday closed, what was it? Two and a half ish, the expensive two, two and a half. And that was in Cincinnati, obviously. So you have the venue switch plus the injuries going through the three. We're now out to five, which is a lot for three offensive line injuries. It obviously matters, but I mean, that's getting up there. And what I would say to that counterpoint was if there's any team that we should maybe be a little bit hesitant on writing off because of offensive line injuries, it's the team that just went to the Super Bowl with a worse offensive line than what they'll have last season struggling with all of these issues too. So I think that's important here. In terms of the quick release, Even with a healthy offensive line, Joe Burrow has the second quickest release of any quarterback this entire season. So it's not like there's this big playbook shift now because he has to throw the ball quicker. He's been doing that all season long as is. So that's not going to change either. So it's it's not this big shift, I don't think, for Cincinnati. Obviously, it's worse, but I I can't help but think we're kind of overdoing the situation. Um, When you add this all together... I think the Bills are really going to get what they want defensively, and that's very different from what we saw them do against Miami where it was just all out trying to get pressure on Skylar Thompson. But I think they're going to be very content keeping everything underneath just like what we saw the Ravens do. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of very quick and short passes for Burrow. I think he's going to have a really impressive stat line, maybe nothing super explosive. But I think Cincinnati will be able to move the ball, albeit very slowly down the field consistently. And the Bills are going to be fine letting them try to do that. And so I, I, I think it's maybe going a bit too far at this point to where we are with the number with the offensive line. So that's sort of what I was going to get at as well. The Bills play a lot of these. Um, uh, I, I don't know exactly what the defense is called, but you get a lot of like four and five plus DBs on the field for the Bills. A lot of times they play a lot of five plus defensive back looks and it's like contain keep everything underneath you know we don't want to give up too much and if you look at the Bengals this year in success rate whenever they've had five or more defensive backs on the field for the opposing team their third in success rate this year 46.4 percent and they don't do it with explosive plays at all they're very close to the bottom of the league in terms of explosive plays against the five plus dbs they're just like a patient offense and Burrow's going to take what he's going to get And I heard you on You Better You Bet earlier this week talking about a potential Joe Burrow completions look. And I see 
I, I don't know that I see a market on it yet. I'm trying I to haven't find seen it. it yet either. I honestly, I looked 10 minutes ago before I came on thinking that that could be brought up, but yeah. And, I'm with and you. listen, you know, no, the cat's out of the bag now, so it might be a race. Uh, <laughs> it might be a race for that, but I, I think that's just a great look. I mean, I think that's exactly what the bill, the Bengals are going to try to do four or five yards in the passing game at a time. And uh, there's also a very decent chance that they're trailing because of what the point spread here is. So they get in a game state where they are doing this dink and dunk. Yeah, uh, I don't know that they can open that number high enough personally. No, it's going to be it's going to be high for sure. Um, final game on Sunday, which I want to get your thoughts on before we let you go here. Dallas and San Fran. Uh, I was doing a live watch along on Monday Night Football, which was uh, great because the Cowboys won, even though I was losing my bucks bet. I it doesn't care to me. I, I don't care at that point. But we got into a guessing game with uh, the hundreds of viewers that were watching on the time of what the Dallas San Fran line would open up at. You nailed uh, it. And and I you know I said that San Fran four is going to be the opener. I feel very confident in that. That's just a good number, three and a half or four somewhere in there. And immediately the chat just was going off. Like if San Fran is four, I'm taking San Fran. 49ers minus four and this and that. And I'm like, I'm I'm a Cowboys fan. I try to think that I can remain impartial on their games, but I'm asking myself, like, what am I missing here where people think that there's that large of a difference between these two teams? And maybe you can explain it to me, but all year we had Dallas and San Fran kind of pegged side by side. Um, you know, Dallas, San Fran, Philly, top three teams in the NFC, very, very consistent. And maybe the Cowboys ended the season on a weaker note, and that's why people think that they're that much worse. But I don't see a ton separating the Cowboys and 49ers. Chris Bennett, who I think is as smart as anyone in the entire betting industry, has said that if the Niners were to win, they would be favorites on the road in Philadelphia. He obviously works at Circa, yep. knows how to make a number as well as anybody. And so that, I think that puts into perspective kind of how we get to this number when you think about like how those teams are being rated and, and what we're getting at now, if that materializes has a lot to depend on what we see this weekend, but that kind of puts those rankings and ratings into perspective. I'm having a difficult time getting a gauge on how people look at this number overall for the week from the side. It's been the most difficult game for me to kind of understand how people are thinking about it. Because like you said, there were people that were like, absolutely like running to lay that number. And then on the other side, there's the case being made, like, how can it be, this far because you have the Purdy and when's that going to be in that whole do situation that people love to bring up. I, I think the numbers where it's sitting at right now is pretty well close to right. And I think it's maybe a potential case of the Cowboys looking really good in a game that everybody watched against a team that might not have been that good in the end, similar to what the Giants did against the Vikings. So again, it, you're not going to have a massive shift on that within the playoffs, but I can't help but think this Cowboys team that nobody really wanted a part of because of Dax interceptions a couple weeks ago goes in and beats up a bad Buccaneers team. Like how much does that sort of changing things on a weekly basis? So from the side, I, I think the number is right. I thought the total yesterday at 45 and a half was short because I, I think there's a path here where if you have the Cowboys playing from behind, chasing the catch up, that's a pretty good situation for the over and then you have the Niners, who, if they are leading, running the football, very good matchup against the Cowboys' defense, which we did not see exposed whatsoever by the Buccaneers, who threw 68 times. So 
I, I think that's a, a but still a good look at 46 for the total. I will be honest with you. I was very surprised at all the early under money on that game. Um, I handicapped this as an over as well. I thought this was going to open up on the other side of 47, actually. I thought this would be 47 or higher. Yeah. And uh, early money is all under here. I'm looking at weather conditions in Santa Clara. No issues there. Um, I, I just... I know the defenses are, I mean, you got high pressure rate defenses on both sides of the ball, but very dynamic offenses as well. Players that can break big gains. Um, I, I don't know. I, I still feel like this has a lot of room to go higher. Gino's Gino and the Seahawks stat line wasn't great, but it was hard to ignore some of the Seahawks guys running wide open in the, against that 49er secondary to me as well. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, appreciate you joining me here, Adam. For all the viewers, make sure you check out his podcast. It's The Simple Handicap. He's also part of the team at Right Angle Sports, one of the most respected sports betting teams on the entire planet. You can check out their stuff at handicapper.net. Appreciate it, Adam. All the best. Good luck with your bets this week. Same to you. See you on the weekend. All right. That's Bye. Adam Chernoff. He will be joining me for both games this weekend. A reminder to everyone. Giants-Eagles, live on the Hammer HQ, YouTube channel, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Big Churn will be with me for that one. And then we got Cowboys 49ers on Sunday as well. That one will be 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. And Adam Chernoff will be joining me for that one. I really just quickly want to pull up the market for each game before I bring in uh, Eric Eager here to join me as well. Uh, but the Sunday games, as I was referencing earlier, this total got bet down in Dallas-San Fran quite a bit, uh, looking at a total of, even in some spots, 45 and a half, uh, bet Fred at 46 right now. Uh, but that was a bit of a surprising move to me overall. And you see the market all over the place in terms of the side. Uh, these are the sports books in Ohio right now. Uh, Cincy and Buffalo, as we mentioned, uh, this one's out to five, some books five and a half. Um, 48 the total on that one if we go to the Saturday games quick look at the market Jacksonville KC the over has taken a bunch of money if you still want the over in this game bet Fred actually has the best price uh, in market right now at 52 and a half minus 110 uh, which is pretty solid rest of the market settled in on eight and a half here and for the Giants and Eagles on Saturday night 8 15 Eastern time totals pretty well in line at 48 everywhere and the side at seven and a half uh, across the board in that one. So that's where we're sitting in terms of current market conditions. I am now joined by Dr. Eric Eager of Sumer Sports. Eric, how's it going? Things are going well. Um, man, it was a, I, after I left you guys on Monday, that game kind of got out of control again. It did. It did. Um, yeah, it was just like, I found myself not even really watching this much of the second half of the game either. It was just, uh, it was just, a, let's, it was just a bad game. Let's call it out for what it is. Like there was never, you got the feeling very early that it was just going to be the bucks getting rolled. And that's essentially what happened in the game. Yeah. It, it was, it was one of those where, you know, you and I have, you know, mused back and forth about this for a while. You know, Dak has had his issues with turnovers, you know, the, on the, on the, you know, on the stream, we had, you know, under interceptions for Dak. Uh, that one, you know, actually did hit. So that was nice. But like, you know, if you and you can't do this, but if you did, you you do take away 
um, you know, the the turnovers. Dak, you know, probably is the best quarterback in the NFC, and he showed, you know, that sort of potential on Monday. You wonder uh, if that's possible against a much better defense in this in San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. So personally, I do think it's possible. And one of the reasons why is I think Dallas has a pretty strong offensive line that can handle a lot of what the 49ers are going to bring in terms of a pass rush. And they have some dynamic receivers as well. And we've seen that the 49ers can struggle with this, uh, especially if they're targeted on the outside. Like, get the ball out quickly to C.D. Lamb. Get the ball out quickly um, to Michael Gallup and so on and so forth. Noah Brown, even T.Y. Hilton in the mix now. So I think that there's an opportunity for success there. And, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of opinions on Dak Prescott. But if we go back to 2010 and we take every single playoff performance... By EPA per dropback, he had the 10th best performance of any quarterback since 2010. The only problem is Brock Purdy had the fifth best of any quarterback last week. And I think people are just keep like ascending in their opinion on Brock Purdy. And frankly, we're at the point now where everyone who's kind of expecting a fall off from this kid, like you know, the do factor, it's going to happen at some point. It's just not happening. It just continues to play well. And that's what's scariest to me as a Cowboys fan. It's not, it's not Dak in the offense. It's the 49ers have all these dynamic weapons. Purdy's able to get it out to them quickly and they just do their thing. Will that continue? And I, I have, I have a struggle to see Dallas being able to contain that. Yeah, Purdy is is weirdly. If you look at uh, at Sumer Sports on Twitter, we we posted uh, the, the completion percentage over expected numbers. Which uh, I said, you know, obviously CPOE has its faults. It, it will not, you know, rank quarterbacks uh, in order by any stretch of the imagination of, of who's best. But Purdy has the lowest CPOE in the playoffs at negative point one. But in the middle of the field, uh, their their numbers are really really high. And so you ask, okay, what can Dallas do? talk about Anthony Barr on Monday we talk about their linebackers like are they you know are they going to be able to cover the middle of the field because I think Dallas is really good up front defensively I think on the back end we saw you know J. Ron Curse and like you know his his ability to roam and and but it you know will will San Francisco be able to pepper the middle of the field in this game I think I'm getting a sarcastic uh some sarcastic comments here didn't realize you were a Cowboys fan Rob have you mentioned that before yes I am a Cowboys fan I have the symbol behind here I know I know people uh, like to joke about that overall. Um, what's incredible to me, or I think what what, San, what Brock Purdy has done for this offense in terms of being able to extend plays is where he has separated himself from Jimmy Garoppolo. So I'm a Jimmy Garoppolo stan. For a long time, people would just shit on him nonstop and be like, oh, Garoppolo's garbage and whatever. But he did exactly what Kyle Shanahan asked of him, got the ball out, into the hands of his skill position players. Purdy's doing the same thing, but Purdy can also extend plays. And if we look so far this year, Brock Purdy's had 85 dropbacks in which he took more than three seconds to throw. And when he's done that, he has a 47% success rate and a 10.78 yards per attempt, which are absurd. And if you look at Jimmy Garoppolo in his tenure with the, with the 49ers, with three plus seconds to throw, he has a 35% success rate. It's a bit, very steep drop-off. So being able to extend the play, I think, is what makes Purdy so dynamic. And, like, he sometimes makes bad... Like, he doesn't make the best throws downfield. Like, there's some times where 49ers receivers are open and he puts it in a spot, like, the only spot where the DB can make a play. But 
He is extending plays. He's getting it out there. And I don't, I don't know that this is going to fall off. Like, I actually think Brock Purdy is for real. I really do. Do you think that that, you know, it just sort of creates a higher ceiling for the Niners? Because I could see, you know, end of first half last week, you saw some of the, you know, the where Garoppolo probably doesn't opt into some of the things Purdy was trying to do, you know, bail out left. And, you know, uh, they, they sort of like were not able to score a touchdown in the end of the first half. And in fact, like probably mangled the clock a little bit too much and allowed Seattle to go go and get their field goal. Um Garoppolo is not doing that, right? He's mostly reading what's on the teleprompter. I think, to your point, I think that it extends the distribution to the right for uh, the 49ers offense because he's able to do that. But there, it does come at the increased risk that he's going to simply not throw what's called. And and that is kind of, you know, the, the staple of the Shanahan offense is, you know, what's called is pretty damn good. You don't want a quarterback that will opt out of it um, that much. But if he does, he's got to be able to have the ability – to make plays and to your point like purdy has done that uh at a, at a you know high rate with that said the i, I re-watched san fran seattle from last week the first quarter for purdy was not a great quarter mm-hmm. there was a couple turnover worthy plays there was actually a few plays where uh, the seattle linebacker made a play on the ball where if he hadn't got a piece of it it would have right went right into the safety's hands like there is still you still see the signs of okay, there could be a very bad game here. But if that does happen, I probably wouldn't judge him on that going forwards. I I think he's shown enough now where he has a very good grasp of the offense and what needs to be done, and he can extend the plays. Uh, I think he's pretty solid. But uh, I I, I was talking to Adam right at the end about this, and the under has taken money in this game. and has. It got down to 45.5 in market yesterday, kind of up to 46 now. I'm actually surprised it opened that low in the first place. And I will probably end up with a bet on the over in this game. Um, possibly Cowboys and the over. But I'm, do you echo that sentiment? Like, do you feel like this is low at all? Or do you think it's sort of in the right spot? I, I do. I think, you know, the, I, I quickly looked when you, you know, at the weather. I, I had, you know, previously done that earlier in the week. And like, we're talking about Kansas City a little bit. I think that there there is going to be an impact there. But um, when you look at Santa Clara on Sunday, you're looking at almost you know 60 you know you know 60 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, you know winds that are 10 miles per hour projected, which are not that bad. Um, you know San Francisco is a place that can sneakily you know give you weather games, but um, I don't see that here. I think the only thing that could keep this game under is if McCarthy or Shanahan ran the football too much, and I just don't see that. I don't see that happening. I think Shanahan. Um, you know, is going to have to attack Dallas to win here. And I think Dak, you're going to get either side of Dak, right? You're going to get the interceptions, which are going to cause short fields and a lot of points. And then it's going to cause Dallas to have to, you know, come back, um, which is, in my opinion, going to lead to points. Or you get Dak, what we saw on Monday, which is a very efficient passer. Um, and, you know, and San Francisco's defense having to sort of, um, you know, you know, you're you're basically depending on them for the under. Now, San Francisco's defense is really good at kind of like, you know, basically making you go to your left hand on offense at times. And you know, the the part about Dallas that's maybe a little bit uh, speculative is the fact that after CD Lamb, you're depending upon Michael Gallup and Dalton Schultz, and those guys played well the other day. Can they reliably do so sun, uh, Sunday this week? The biggest um, where I think the Dallas defense can have success is against George Kittle. 
They've been very good at guarding tight ends for the most part this year. Where I think they might struggle is with some double moves on the outside, the athleticism a lot of the uh, of the 49ers receivers, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. But I'm I'm very very much looking forward to this game. Um, John Warner said, "You bozos like the live stream." I mean. Listen, I'm not going to call my viewership a bunch of bozos. That's not what I want to do. But if you do enjoy the content, please definitely smash that like button. Um, it does go a long way in helping people find this content on YouTube. Second big topic of the week. There's a lot this week. I mean, I think these are some pretty interesting games. But you get the Cincinnati offensive line um, situation right now, which we've seen one-sided market uh, movement towards the Buffalo Bills in this game. And... I mean, I would be floored if this went out to six. Like, that's definitely 100% a buy point, regardless of the state of the Cincinnati offensive line. But I was talking to Chernoff about this, and he made a very good point about how Joe Burrow throws the ball quickly. I believe he said he had the fastest release time in the entire league, or top three, something along those lines. And it might not be as large of a factor as people are making it out to be. Now, starting left tackle, starting right guard, starting right tackle. It's big. But... They did win the Super Bowl last year with a horrendous offensive line. So Joe Burrow is accustomed to these conditions. I'm curious whether you think that there's been an over-adjustment, under-adjustment, just right. Um, your early take on this game in terms of how the market has moved. Yeah, offensive line is one of those where it is all about, you know, making sure your weak links are not too weak. And, you know, there's a breaking point for every single team, right? Like, and and I And so... You know, I look and I, I have flashbacks back to the Kansas City Super Bowl where, you know, they spent the majority of the year with 60% of their offensive line injured, went 14-2, and two, uh, won two playoff games, got into, you know, uh, a playoffs against, uh, or sorry, a Super Bowl against Tampa Bay and got crushed. Um, but I, I look at, you know, this particular matchup and I'm thinking to myself, uh, you know, do, does Buffalo have the horses to win against, you know, without blitzing? Because, you know, the, their secondary is not particularly good anymore. They got a little bit of an injury to Kahir Elam. I'm not quite sure of his status yet this week. Um, Tredavious White is coming off of injury. I know he's played okay, but, you know, they're not as sure in the back back end as they have been. And when Von Miller was healthy, they were able to get pressure with just four. You know, Rousseau's had a good year. You know, they do have some players. Boogie Basham actually had a really good game the other day. Um, but can they can they rush with four? and not give Burrow access to the, the the wide receivers in two and a half seconds or less. That's really the question, um, because I think Cincinnati, especially, you know, you look at last year's playoffs, they in the first half of the Super Bowl, like they basically got the ball out of Burrow's hands so quickly, there was no pressure. And then they relented on it in the second half of the game. And that really allowed the, the Rams to come, you know, and, and come after Burrow with that weak offensive line. Do they stick with the game plan of getting the ball out of Burrow's hands quickly? Because if they do, I think their receivers can win um, in, in under two and a half seconds and you can mitigate some of these things. I, you know, I'm inclined to like Cincinnati in this game, but um, you know, I know that, you know, you're probably, if you bet it now, you're just going to get negative line value because I think people are going to like Buffalo up until kick. I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I kind of feel like we're in the range where this number is going to close. But this is the playoffs. I'm wrong about lots of things. Um, you know, sometimes do not expect money on teams and they get them because someone in market likes them. But um, this to me is a very, very, very intriguing matchup. Um, I mean, listen, I'm old enough to remember the, uh, the first half of the year, Joe Burrow, where he led the NFL in sack rate when he was pressured. 
didn't look exactly great when that O-line was figuring Mm -hmm. it out. So I don't want to make it seem like, oh, this is a foregone conclusion. The offense is just going to keep moving. Um, But this is not like new information that the market is accounting for. Everyone knows this now. It's built, it's baked into the number. So um, I I kind of feel like since he's the side. Yeah, and and you look at, you know, early in the season, the Bills didn't have to blitz at all, right? And and I just pulled up, uh, this is at PFF where, where I obviously used to work, and you look at last week's game, um, they had 27 pressures, uh, you know, collectively. There were some plays where one guy will get, or two guys will get a pressure or whatever. Uh, you had the six from Rousseau, which is really, you know, impressive, four from Oliver. Basham had three, Daquan Jones had three. But you look at, you know, Tremaine Edmonds had three pressures on eight pass rush, so they had to blitz him eight times. Yeah. Matt Milano had four pressures uh, on, on eight. So they had to blitz him eight times. Um, Teron Johnson, their nickel, he got two pressures on the only two times he had to be, he was sent. Uh, and Trey Wright actually blitzed twice. So this team has had to, you know, weaken the integrity of what they really want to do defensively without Von Miller. Will they be able to do that against Cincinnati? If they do, I think you're going to see, you know, the Tyler Boyds and the Hayden Hurst. Uh, you know, come up big. And if they don't, then I think that the pass rush, you know, the, the is going to be maybe a little bit less impactful than we than we think on problem first blush. Okay, let's uh, sh- switch gears to Saturday. Um, we'll do a breakdown of both of these games, but I want to start with a very popular bet this week. Um, teasers with yeah. the Eagles and the Chiefs. Can you talk anyone out of playing a six-point teaser with the Eagles and Chiefs? You get the Chiefs down to minus two and a half. You get the Eagles down to minus one and a half. I know that there's high totals in these games. That might be a bit of a concern. But from an X's and O's perspective, is there anything that screams like this is a very bad matchup for Kansas City or Philadelphia? No, I mean, and in fact, I I like that teaser. And I know, and I know, you know, everybody and their grandma likes that teaser. So I know that the uh, that's not necessarily the reason not to like it, but it's certainly not, you're not splitting an atom by saying, you know, this is a long T, you know, not necessarily, not for the Eagles game, you're not getting through eight, but you are getting through seven and three. Um, I, you know, when I look at the the Jaguars, the last time they played Kansas City, a few things are notable. Um, the total in that game was 51 on close. The Chiefs were minus nine. This was not after a bye for Kansas City. This is week 10. Um, I do know the Jacksonville obviously was three and six coming in. Um, but Rob, as you have said all season, they were their fundamentals were fine going into that game, right? So Chiefs coming off of a bye, um, having really only lost one game since that matchup before, having kind of found themselves, and really the Chiefs only have one injury that matters in McCole Hardman. Everybody else is healthy, and, and you know guys like Tooney and Sneed and, and everybody have gotten healthier during the bye. It's surprising to me that the market has adjusted basically a half a point in the direction of Jacksonville since that matchup and oh, and a half a point plus whatever you're giving them for the bye week, um, you know, for uh, the, the divisional you know round here. So the, the market likes Jacksonville now relative to Kansas City more than it did in week 10. And I don't necessarily know if that's right. Um, so, yeah, I like the Chiefs. I mean, the, the Chargers were going to be a much tougher matchup with Kansas City just because of, you know, familiarity, but also... Uh, I think that, you know, the defense has a little bit more in the way of stars. Um, this this Jaguars team, to me, is just kind of like a weaker version of the Chiefs. And that comes all the way down to, um, you know, the youth on defense, the pass rush being okay but not great, and, you know, basically the quarterback having really high-end play. And that, to me, is the only way that you get a Jacksonville, you know, even covering the minus two, you know, the plus two and a half on the teaser. 
Like, I just, I think that the only way you get that is if Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson, you really get uh, in the sink and you see the sort of right tail of that distribution, which exists. And that, and that I think is what, you know, scares Chiefs fans this week. Um, I'm going to hit you with a stat here. You tell me if you think that there's anything to it or if it's just noise, but Jacksonville this season, point differential before the half was minus 11, Mm -hmm. 18th in the league. After the half, plus 65, fourth best in the league. The Chiefs led by 10 or more at halftime in seven other games during the regular season. That was second only to the Eagles, and Kansas City ended up going 7-0 and in those games. Now, we've seen this as a tendency for – and the reason I bring this up, we've seen this as a tendency with Kansas City with these big spreads is they look really good for a long period of time, and then they somehow don't cover the game. Is there possibly a first-half look on Kansas City – or are we just putting into too much stock into what p- could potentially be randomness with the Jacksonville Jaguars in the first half this year? Yeah, if, I, if I'm looking correctly, and obviously these numbers are always subject to where the game opens and closes and stuff, but the Chiefs, I believe, have the worst record against the spread this year in the AFC or I think even the NFL. Um, and they've been that way. I mean, I, I can't remember. It was at some point it had gotten to like 27, 38, and 1 or something like that since the middle of 2020. They've been – and and they've won most of those games. Like – they're a very good team at getting ahead and then kind of bleeding out, um, you know, the last bit here and getting backdoored. Uh, so, yeah, that is something to be wary about. Uh, the first half, I do think, you know, it, Andy Reid, you know, off a of bye in a game that matters. I think you do have to, you know, uh, maybe upgrade the team in the first quarter and uh, uh, the, and the you know, first half. I also think that this is, you know, this is something that people in Kansas City Radio, of which I'm on a lot, will say like Andy Reid is has so many friends in the league that he doesn't like to like you know pulverize those teams in the end which you know might you, you if you're going to lay minus eight and a half here what you want is the game to be 17 or more uh going into the fourth quarter or you know going into the last drive that could possibly backdoor you and you know we have seen that Andy Reid kind of lets his foot off the gas at the end there and it's caught them in like real ways i mean they lost a 28 point lead to the colts in 2013 they lost an 18 point lead to the titans in 2017 and an 18 point lead last year famously to the bengals so you know there is there is a little bit to the chiefs coming out hot in playoff games um and you know i I'd like to think that that's more noise than it is fundamental, but there's enough narratives surrounding it that, about Andy Reid that are statistically true uh, to maybe warrant to play there. I'll get you out on the Eagles and Giants really quickly. Just wanted to get your thoughts on this game. It feels like this is the highest the Giants have been regarded in market for a very, very long time. Is it warranted? No, I, I mean, I like, I like the Giants. I think they're a cute little team, but like the Vikings – uh, you know, when, when you look at Arjun Men and my former intern, like they were, they only perfectly covered pass plays about a fifth of the time uh, on Sunday. Um, you know, that's a team, the Vikings, that depends upon great individual play defensively and has weak links. Um, the Eagles with Bradbury and, uh, you know, the, you know, the safety play that they have and, and you know, uh, Slay, like they're not going to, you know, make, you know, Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, and Darius Slayton looked like Mario Manningham, Victor Cruz, and Hakeem Nicks the way that the Vikings did. So um, it, it's strange, but in week 13, obviously, back when both teams were more or less equally strength, the, the Giants were a little down. The Eagles were minus seven on the road. The total was 45. I, Looking at that in contrast to where we're looking now, I think the Eagles are being undervalued in market. I tend to agree. The only concern is the Hurts injury, obviously, which 
you don't know. It's just an unknown, mm -hmm. but I tend to feel that this is valuable. And uh, John Warner is a fellow Chiefs fan. Please stop, Eric. It can only throw up so much. We could talk about Chiefs playoff chokes <laughs> until 2024 if we wanted. I mean, you got your Super Bowl, right? That's that's really all that matters, though. That's all that matters. Uh, he's Eric Eager. You can follow him on Twitter at Eric Eager underscore. Check out the Sumer Sports Twitter account as well, at Sumer Sports. Appreciate the time, Eric. All the best. Hey, thanks, Rob. Good luck this weekend. Thanks, you too. All right. From Eric Eager, I mean, this guy, I haven't brought him in yet, but he looks like he's in like a George Costanza photo shoot right now with the way that he sprawled out on the couch <laughs> with the dog. What's up, Cash? Hey, Robbie, baby. Little forward progress, my man. What's going on? I tell you what, you got to get me in at a crack of dawn here this morning. Jesus Christ, I hope we're getting some uh, overtime at the project here. I'm barely getting out of bed. Well, there, there ain't going to be no overtime. So let's start with that. <laughs> that, that ain't happening to start with. Um, how, I mean, okay. We could go many ways here. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to try to predict that you've already bet a Eagles Chiefs teaser. Like those are in your accounts already. Here's what I'm going to be honest with you. I, I and I heard uh, the, the, the doctor there at the end of it. Um, and I agree with what you're saying with, with, with the Giants rating and being, you know, like over the top. I'm, I'm just too, I'm concerned about the hurts publicly and privately. The, the hurt stuff is, is just is scary to me that he didn't play for obviously, you know, like you're, you're, you're going on five weeks here without him playing at, at a high level. I mean, that whatever you want to call that week 18 tryout, the, the shoulder wasn't right. There's some people chirping that he's, he's definitely not going to be a hundred percent. I can't quantify what percent he's going to be at, you know, or how good he's going to be, but he ain't going to be a hundred percent. So also this, this, you know what? And you're going to love this count. This giant staff, this giant staff reminds me of the lion staff of like, it's a younger staff. They're going to go no, wait, all well, out. Well, like, well, well, wait a second. This giant staff got the team to the playoffs. And the Lions staff would have, if not for the NFL, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the scam in week 18 with the Seahawks there. So um, the, the issue I'm having is, obviously, you got the giant solo that the, the Hurts on it. I agree. Like, if you told me Hurts was 100%, Eagles minus seven, minus seven and a half all day. Um, I don't know. Like if he's not able to push the ball downfield, that then then you know how am I? You know, am I, am I looking at that as a win? I'm with you on the Chiefs, though. I, I bet some Chiefs minus eight. I, I bet some minus eight. I like the line short. I don't have. I, I don't know what. I haven't heard this over. I don't know what the case is for Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean. They're like like Eric said, right? They're like the Chiefs light. Like they do everything the Chiefs do, but but just worse overall. So I don't know. The the case for me for Jacksonville is just that the Chiefs find a way to keep teams close. Like that that's the case I think that I'm making for Jacksonville. Aside from that, their defense. Everyone's talking about oh the defense is so improved in the second half of the year. Anytime they played like a real offense, they got torched yeah. in those games. Like it ain't that imp the the, the Chargers scored 30 last week, and then they basically just decided, like, okay, we're going to, you know, I don't, I'm, they're not going to punt the game, but there's like, all right, let's just stop scoring and let's, you know, play, get the clock to tick and whatever. And obviously that didn't work out. So that's the case. No, that's the I'm, case. I'm, I mean, I, I don't agree with, I, 
again, you, you talk about people, hey, we're going to square it up here with a teaser. I, I, it's very hard not to love a Chiefs tease that gets you to through the seven and the three to a two and a half. I can't really matter. The only case I can make against that is that uh, there might be about eight billion of them this weekend. But uh, from from just a, you know, a number standpoint or a logistics standpoint, uh, yes, I will have some. So Patrick says that you must be sleeping on all your cash from your Dallas bets, which... Uh, oh, baby. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Great-looking dog there, my man, Patty. Here, we'll have to have a little uh, dog park action there. But, uh, yeah, hey, listen, the world was against us. But I listen, anytime Mike, my, my man Mike McCarthy came through, baby. Uh, and watch out this weekend. That's all well, I'm gonna that, say. That's where I was gonna go with this. Like, are are say. we ro- are we rolling over Cowboys winnings from last week onto Cowboys plus four against the Niners? I bet it. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Here's the thing. People are like saucing the Brock Purdy, and I, I I understand that, and I understand you know like uh, do I obviously think Kyle Shanahan play, plays a big factor there? Yes. That first half, if, if you were like, at, if you just look at the score, the box score at the end of it, you're like, oh, Purdy, like absolutely electric Jay score. That first half, he came out and he threw a couple of ducks. Yeah. He threw some balls that were high. He looked like a traditional rookie, uh, like like in the playoffs, first time had the shakes, and then eventually they were able to run the ball. Seattle defense is terrible. He got in a groove second half, um, but. I don't know. I don't know. I, I like what I, it's a Cowboys team that I, that I've been a big fan of, to be honest with you. And I like their pass rush. The issue I would have is this. The Cowboys offensive line, as you're well aware, is, is really getting to the patchwork point here. Yes. And it, it, it was an issue to start the game in Tampa. They made a few plays. Tampa then was just a complete disaster for the second game. I think it's going to be a big issue this weekend uh, against the 49ers front that also, like, they got a – like, the, the, the Zeke Elliott, the Tony Pot, they got to abandon the run. Like, they, they're just burning carries. in the, And do I think that the, the Cowboys offense was willing to do that? I don't know. But I feel like the, if, if you could give me, a, like, a yards per carry bet this week, uh, I'd take, like, under 2.6 because – uh, I don't think there's any way they can run the ball, and they're absolutely obsessed with burning carries running the ball uh, on this offense. So when I was doing the live watch along for the Cowboys Bucks on Monday night, the Cowboys' first drive, they started with three passes, all incomplete, and all I kept thinking to myself was like, oh, no, this is bad. Because like at least they came out and they were willing to right, pass. Right. Like now this is going to go, we got to turn yeah. this into the running game. Luckily, Tampa Bay just sucks. The 49ers don't mm. suck. That's the difference, mm-hmm. right? That's the difference. But um, speaking of Patrick O-lines, Bengals this week, big-time Patrick O-line. Market came in pretty early on the Bills, drove it up to five, some five-and-a-halves, very rare out there. Um, at this point, anything to do with this game? You think maybe the market's going too far? You might wait for this to go out a little bit further. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a horrible O-line. The thought of getting five points with Joe Burrow is just very appealing to me. Like, we could put me, you, Eager, Suma on the O-line, and I'll probably still take five with, with Joe Burrow in this game. Yeah, yeah. obviously, the, the, the O-line's concern. You know what? If this was 
I just feel Buffalo's level of play in in, in I would I would say the the second half of the season hasn't been this uh, you know what I thought would be this juggernaut Buffalo team going into the season and maybe what they looked like in the first half. Um, I still you know it was a spot that that I was kind of you know lining up and hoping to back Cincy here. The O line injuries are just just devastating from a standpoint. And now can can Burrow um, you know like. Is you, if I could take Chase like 25 targets in this game, they seem to be able to work it together, uh, even in the short passing game without it. But and you saw that in some of the Baltimore game, they they stopped being able to run the ball. They couldn't push it down. It's like they were scared to even have any like seven step drop or, or long longer uh, you know patterns because they couldn't protect them. So. When the offense, it, it, it's almost like they're turning into a little bit of the Tampa Bay now, after all those injuries of you can't run, you can't really, you, you've got to you know, either take your like three-step drops and shots or or you're just trying to like matriculate the ball down the field with these five and ten-yard routes. That's that's a hard way to make against like maybe the most explosive quarterback, uh, you know, in the NFL. So. Gun to my head, uh, I, I, there was a couple of like early Buffalo lines that, that I fired on, uh, you know, a couple of small bullets. Um, at, at current, gun to my head, I think I would still lean Buffalo the way it's coming out. Um, but it, it wouldn't be something I'm extremely bullish on. However, if you want to look at uh, a couple of people sent me this yesterday. Have you guys talked weather in this one? No, not yet. Go get get hit a meteorologist Joey Kanish. Joe us. Joey, uh, yeah, yeah, Joey, uh, Joey Radar here. So I got sent this uh, one of the one of the guys uh, that I know that actually works at a book, who's like their guy who monitors all the football weather. Sent me yesterday, and so this is one you got again. You got to be of what what time it's going to be. This can all change here because we're early in the week. But we had the game at around three, and the wind yesterday was peaking between. This is projected for. Uh, Sunday is between three and seven, 23 to 27 miles per hour with gusts up to in the mid forties and fifties. Um, so, and that's why you saw the total get hit there from around 50 to, to 48. So again, one to uh, uh, again, we're, we're, what is it? Uh, Tuesday at uh, Wednesday at uh, one o'clock. So the, the, that can all change uh, Seahawks diners last week. Everyone's like, Oh, it's going to there was five minutes of weather. And then it was like, you know, a beautiful, uh, you know, uh, it's California day, the rest of the game. Uh, but this is one you want to watch. If, if there's going to be some strong wind, uh, during the game, uh, one guy's got a, you know, a little bit of a cannon and, and better protection. And the other guy's got uh, a couple of folding chairs and, uh, you know, going into it. Good point. Uh, and we have adjusted your name for future broadcasts going forward. So you're now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Joey Radar. I'm trying. I'm trying to understand. Uh, Suma would be a good center. I don't. I don't know. That Suma would is it, be. A- is that a German? Does he have a wrestling background? Like he, I don't know. Like I. I've never met Suma in person. You don't know what, what these people are like off camera, right? Like like Alex Moretto, for example, the the head of content at the Hammer. I met this guy in real life. He's like six foot seven, like towering over me. I'm like, I would have never pictured that before, right? I don't know. I see Suma on camera. I see, you know, he's got the, the lid flipped up like this and all the time and whatever. But that's all I know about him. I don't know his size. I know he does go to the gym a couple times a week. He's got that for him at least. Well, hey, you know, some of us, some of us do. Some of us, uh, you know, can't get out of the gym, uh, you know, with a little push push up circuit. Some of us uh, spend our, you know, our afternoons laying down on the couch in the basement with a blanket. At least I don't see a Kleenex box in that, uh, in that. That would have just, I wouldn't be able to get that out of my head. I would not be able to get that out of my head. All right, before we wrap this up here, 
I guess, of everything on the board, your favorite bet this week. If you if you told somebody, go down, lay it down this week, it could be that teaser, could be whatever you want, but your favorite bet in the NFL this weekend. I would Right now, at, at current lines, I would lay it with the Chiefs. Uh, I Chiefs, eight, I was one I get out there, some eight and a half. Uh, that would be my favorite. It's the, the team that I feel the strongest about against a team that I think is a good fade. Uh, with, I think, the, the one line that I would be surprised if that doesn't tick up a little bit as we get closer to game time, um, I would think that would get back around the 10. Uh, so yeah, chiefs right now for me. Okay. And before I let you go, can you tell these people to like the stream and subscribe to the channel? Joey radar. If you want these updates, baby, if you want the hacky weather, like subscribe, turn the alerts on here. Uh, especially if you live in one of these cities, I might save your life here with one of, with, with one of these weather updates uh, and save you some money. So you never know. I mean, we'll, 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 we'll get, uh, we'll get a bunch of phone numbers together and you can send out like the tornado warning texts before. Uh, exactly. Right. Yeah. little, uh, yeah, we'll send plays and, and uh, weather updates. Do you have any accounts? By the way, tornado warning for tomorrow, 2 p.m. <laughs> Eastern. All right, yeah, send, send them to me before this weather comes in, just in case something happens. All right, man. <laughs> Peace out. Enjoy the games this week. Sounds good. All right. That's Joey Kanish of the Hammer Betting Network. One more promo for you guys. Uh, we have a show again on Friday right here on Forward Progress. Hitman. John Legeza, Ian McMillan, it's going to be a divisional round props show. We're focusing on props, anytime touchdown scores. We covered the main markets here today. Props later this week, presented by Betfred Sportsbook at always, as always. So again, like Kanish said, or sorry, like Joey Radar said, subscribe to the channel, Forward Progress here on YouTube. You'll get a notification when we go live for that. Um, really quickly, want to get to a few questions here. What are your thoughts on the non-traditional teasers? Thoughts on teasing the Bengals up? So absolutely not would I tease the Bengals up. Uh, here's why. Typically when you're playing teasers, especially if you're going to play them closer to game time on Saturday or Sunday, you want to do it in a market that's very efficient. And I'm not saying that the NFL playoff market is not efficient because it definitely is. However, when you have like cluster injuries on the O-line, you're never going to convince me that the market is like 100% accurate in accounting for that. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways that that can go. So I don't like it. I do think that there's blowout potential there with the Bengals, um, especially because of the cluster injury situation on the O-line. Now, I'm not a huge teaser player in general to each their own, but um, those are my, my thoughts on that. Um, all right, that's going to be it for me. Uh, I'm back on Friday, as mentioned, noon Eastern time, same deal. Tune in then. This has been Forward Progress on the Hammer Betting Network, presented by Betfred Sportsbook. If you haven't checked out Betfred, do so. Very good sportsbook for all of your betting needs, especially if you're in Ohio now, regulated as of January 1st. Make sure that Betfred is part of your portfolio of sportsbooks in Ohio. Peace out. Like and subscribe. I'll talk to everyone on Friday.